Good evening, and welcome to yet another episode of The Last Knock, your friends in horror since 2013. We are also part of the Strange Society Network. You can find them at StrangePodNet on Twitter for all your horror podcasting needs. I am one of your hosts. My name is Johnny Numb, and joining me tonight, as always, is... Oh, me. Um, <laughs> crash! <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm like lost in thought. I'm like, uh, I'm zombified, man. I'm zombified. Now I'm feeling zombified. Oh, there's so many versions of that song, man. I was trying to go for the Nick Fiend yep. singing it. But uh, in any case, uh, tonight... Billy, why don't you tell them what we're going to be talking about tonight on our <laughs> This is a bit of a reunion show. We've had a, a lot of schedule conflicts that have kept us from uh, recording. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is uh, our show on blockbuster horror. And what I mean by that, <clears throat> what we mean by that is uh, I found this great article um, called uh, Where's the Jump? And it's the 20 most expensive horror movies ever produced. So we're not talking about those great horror movies that we love that are low budget. And when I say low budget, and this is Hollywood low budget, four million or less. <clears throat> and I'm not even talking micro budget, which would be something like Par- Paranormal Activity, which was made for $15,000, you know, stuff like that. Um, this is blockbuster horror. We're talking millions upon millions of dollars. We're talking Hollywood horror where it might not actually be for the fans because they're hoping to get a bigger audience and they're hoping to make buku bucks. And they have this top 20 list with number one being the most expensive film. We'll, we'll get to all that. We're not going to like go through the list movie by movie. I think we're going to talk about them in general. Um, yep. I guess. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. That'll be a cool yep. conversation. And some of them are hit or miss. And I was really shocked because of all the movies on the list, there was two I haven't seen yet. And from the reading, uh, I should not watch them at all. And I was surprised that, well, I only have one that's in three-star plus category. Everything else is in a shitter. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> and I mean really low, like half-star ratings and stuff like that, you know? But, um, yeah, yeah and, that's it. And- and I uh, and I looked over that list too, Bill, that you uh, that you sent to me because I was curious to see uh, what was on <clears throat> what was on there and like you, how much I'd seen and how much uh, how I felt about it. More importantly, of the stuff I'd seen, mm-hmm. um, and I had some pretty mixed reactions to some. Some are more, this is just awful. Um, yeah, and you know what's interesting, Bill, about that list is that. <clears throat> excuse me i think it, it seems like they're just looking at uh they didn't do anything with like adjusting for inflation it's all like these blockbusters that the oldest one on there is from 1990 right and it and it goes up to the present so i thought that was kind of interesting um because it kind of gave me a an impression of the pulse of what was what was Hollywood looking at at certain times. Mm, um, what, what was kind of what was trending at certain times? Maybe that uh, I don't know what caused this to be the thing that they said. Okay, we're going to spend this huge amount of money um, 
on this thing because like i think you will probably say this bill hollywood is pretty stingy when it comes to knocking money loose for stuff that's construed as horror most of the time i don't know if that's no probably I, not not always been the case but not big been, money not yeah. big money you know it's like hey four million or let, let's do it it's a horror movie we'll make buku bucks Woo! but yeah. when they take like um and, and I like the site because it was cool because they, they do, uh, they change like a, a, a budget adjusted, you know, for um, uh, the time. Um, like, my favorite is the number one, which is uh, Van Helsing from 2004. It had a budget of $160 million, which today's dollars is $222 million. It only earned um, back $120 million domestically. And it was just a raving piece of shit for me. Yeah, yeah. It was just awful. It was just so awful. Yeah, and it's like I, I think I thought that movie was terrible too. I went I saw it with uh, my friend Brian, who you've met a couple times. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, and another friend of ours, and the theater was packed. I think mm-hmm. we saw it like a, the Friday it opened, and I was just like, Oh my god, this thing is that this is like $200 million worth of camp. It's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show or, or something with all these great monsters that have been stuffed into this piece of garbage. It's, it was yeah. like a, it was like a really bad food truck burrito that would make you just <laughs> spew, spew from both ends on the way out. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, Steven summer, he came out with, you know, the uh, mummy and the mummy returns. And that was like, Hey, He's cashing in. Let's keep riding this train. And they wrote it into a wall because one of the things that these budgets never take into account, mm-hmm. it's all production budget. It's never the marketing budget. And they spent yeah. a shit ton on this. So let's say the movie's $100 million and they made $120 million. Oh, wow. They made $20 million at least. No, they didn't. They still lost <laughs> because they didn't meet the budget for marketing. And so – so this movie just tanked on every level. Thankfully, it didn't ta- uh, tank Hugh Jackman's career because he's awesome. Uh, yeah. He's so multi-talented. But man, did he pick the wrong venue to be in. Um, oh my God, the movie was so hideous. It was just right from the opening credits. It's like I was like throwing up into a bag. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't uh, – it wasn't uh... – Lucio Fulci zombie that needed the barf bag. It was Van Helsing that needed the barf bag. <laughs> you know, and it's funny that you bring that up because it's like, you know, and Palco's a big uh, Palco designs, you know, he's a big uh, Fulci fan. You know, it's like, yeah. what, what if Fulci had that money? Because the one thing I liked about Fulci is he's a conscientious filmmaker. He yeah. said, because he made movies in the United States, but before he came over, he's like, how can I make a movie in New York? And this is his line, and it's beautiful, and I remember it. Every time I write anything that I do, I remember Fulci's line. He said, I don't know how they drink coffee in New York. (laughs) And that might sound really bizarre, but I've seen people drink coffee in Portugal and in Lisbon. It is very different from here. Mm -hmm. In Paris, and it's like I get what he means. He's looking for all of those little things Mm -hmm. that would make someone go, that's not – New York or that like who who's this guy what's he doing so I really appreciated him for that and that's one of my writing lessons that I have in my head and I wish Fulci had like oh you're gonna give me 200 million dollars to make a, a movie fuck you man I'm just I'm gonna kill it we're gonna have, <laughs> we're gonna have 10 sharks eating zombies underwater it's gonna be insane you know it's like you know it's 
Oh, all, all, all practical, no CGI. Mm-hmm. If you were still here today, yeah, yeah. Because um, how many times have we seen great horror movies that we love that it's like, oh, it'd be even better if they had an extra, you know, fifty grand to like get a better special effect in or something, you know? Yeah, and you know, with those low budget films, it's often a matter of uh, not having enough resources, time, or money to mm-hmm. to pull off things. Uh, the way that the filmmakers ultimately would like to. I mean, I know George Romero, uh, uh, up until <laughs> I saw an old interview with him, not really old, but it was a few years before he passed away. And it was after a screening of night of the living dead. And it was this crowded auditorium and mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was after the lights came up and they were getting ready for the Q and a and, and he was like, uh, yeah, I'm glad people enjoy this. I, you know, I, all, all I see are the mistakes. And man, I, I feel so bad yeah. for the, bad for the guy because, you know, he he, he was so. Uh, I think he was so critical of his own uh, filmography, and probably mm-hmm. some of that comes with the uh, the the plight of being a low budget filmmaker for most of his career. Um, but well, you know, you see you see an integrity, I think, oh, in yeah. most in most of Romero's films that you know, using this list as comparison is just like is more you know this stuff is more soulless it's more mass-produced it's a what what Wes Craven called the McDonaldization of horror you know absolutely this is it crank them out like cheeseburgers and people will buy them so and and this is it I mean this you know oh man this is exactly what it is um this whole list I mean uh I haven't seen that one (laughs) I haven't I'm not I'm not going to see the wolfman from 2010 I'm not I'm just not going to see that shit it's it's not good. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, World War Z, and that was a really interesting one because that was popular. That had like a budget of one hundred and ninety million, now it's two hundred and one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, but but people who read the book, which is amazing. The book's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. it's my favorite horror novel. I mean, I even though it's not necessarily a novel, it's more like here's a daily diary of like the world going to shit, you know? And it's it, fan- yeah, it, it's fantastic. It, it yeah. really, and it's so layered and so vast and so cool and nothing against Brad Pitt or the actors or special effects or anything like that. But it was like, don't film a, a part of Scotland and tell me it's Newark, New Jersey. I'm glad you pronounced Newark correctly, but like, what the fuck, you know? And then like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And and it was just none of it made sense and it's like the book makes sense and it's like they could have had all these cool stories but now we're gonna have a central character blah 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 and you knew nothing was gonna happen to him yeah because yeah. they even announced like two days after the movie came out oh brad pitt slated for uh world war z2 and i'm like well i guess i don't have to worry about him in any scene getting hurt <laughs> so i sat there bored for two and a half fucking hours yeah, you know, Bill, you know, with, with that one, I think uh, Max Brooks's book, which you mentioned, that would make a great ambitious indie film, I think, because it's more of an... Uh, it's is, an anthology. A, yeah, epistolary is not the correct term, but it's it's basically like a series of interviews with people around the world and what was happening during this, you know, zombie outbreak. Mm-hmm. It's a very straight-faced book, which is kind of interesting because his previous book was uh, the zombie survival guide which was very tongue-in-cheek actually right, right. um so yeah i think the movie was also a case of kind of hollywood excess because i just kept hearing stories about how the production was kind of 
always kind of teetering on the verge of going off the rails for various reasons. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many, there were like three, I think there were three credited writers, but there were, I don't know if there were upwards of 10 people who worked on the script for that thing. Um, yeah, that probably, spells I'm, disaster. I'm, yeah, I'm probably wrong with that number, but it it's, might not it, be. It, 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 from what I remember, it sounded like there were a lot of you know a lot of chefs in the kitchen with this film trying to turn it into something. When, like you said, Bill, the source was right there, and uh, mm-hmm. but you know what do we know about what do we know about people? They don't like to read, and yeah. they like Brad Pitt, and they want some spectacle when they go to the cinema. So that's probably why that film. Was I think that one was a success if you uh, factor in the global residuals, um, like the international, as well. But does that make it a good movie? Is the question? No, because no, no. it made it made five hundred forty million worldwide. So it's like, yeah, in the end, it paid off. But I'm sure they thought it would have been could have been better because guess what? They still haven't made a World War Z two, and I think it would be a great TV series. Where mm-hmm. you're picking on people's stories, like you know, like the World War, the World War Z universe, whatever. I mean, you could do so many different angles and stuff. Um, oh, you could you could create a season out of each uh, section of Max Brooks's book, probably. Yeah. You know, there's there's lots of poten- yeah, there is a lot of potential there. That's a great idea. Yeah. Oh, and, and the correlations between what happened with you know between his book and what happened with COVID pandemic, I'm like. Holy crap! It's like Mother Nature yeah. read the book, and she's like, "Fuck it, man! Here's COVID nineteen, you know." <laughs> and I'm not making light of it at all. I was just—it was as I'm reading the book because I read it during the during the heart of the mm. pandemic, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm living this!" You know, without the zombies, <laughs> the only thing missing was the zombies. Otherwise, it was everything that was happening with governments and people and insanity. It was like it was all right there. It was just. Parts of the book were so sobering. It was just like, damn. Yeah, I've read it a couple of years before all this happened, so I, sh- I should probably uh, read it again to see how uh, how I feel, <laughs> to see how it registers now. But uh, that's that's the thing, you know. Um, you know, even in the movie, Brad Pitt's character is not a particularly. It's not a challenging role for Brad Pitt. No, um, no. Outside of the physical element, he's not really a multi-dimensional character. He's just, he's a guy who's not even strongly drafted into this task. And he's right. got in, and he's mostly doing it for his family. Like they're being held hostage or something. Um, so it, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that could have been so much more. And it's not that there's not good things about it, but it's like, especially after reading the book, it's like, yeah, what, what is this thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, what are they trying to do with this? Um, you know, ma- making the apocalypse entertainment. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know either. I don't know. But are there um, any particular movies that like off this list stand out to you? Um, I mean, it ranges anywhere from like Gremlins to a 1990, like you were saying. Um, yeah. You know, it was a box office disappointment. Like they said, it, it was, they made it for 50 million and only grossed 41. And at, that's that's all yeah that is you that know. is a bomb yeah um you know bill since you since you mentioned that uh gremlins 2 i saw before the original gremlins and i still oh, wow i i still maintain that uh, yeah it was kind of one of those weird things where i think i was sick when i was younger and uh 
my parents came home from a store and they surprised me with a VHS of Gremlins 2. I'd never seen it. Um, and I guess they just thought I would like it. So I, I watched it and I really, really liked it. And I haven't watched it in years, but I have really fond memories of it. And that seems like when I saw that on the list, I, I was like, you know what? That's a movie where I can actually see the money on screen. Um, for, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. I know what you're for, saying. For, for the time, because the nature of special effects and the fact that most of that shit was puppeteering. They were making all these gremlins and there had to be puppeteered. They had to be molded and designed. Uh, that Donald Trump-esque building that everything takes place <laughs> in. The, the, yeah. The, the thinly veiled parody of Trump Tower. Um, you know, it was just, I, you know, I have I have a lot of fond memories of that film. And that seems A lot like, of people do. And I, maybe it's because Joe Dante, I think he kind of proved himself with those Roger Corman films back in the day. And, you know, people like the howling. I'm not a big fan of that one, but you know, he has that, uh, he has that genre reputation. So I think him coming from kind of that low budget world and, uh, uh, you know, ascending to a place of like, Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this money to do this. Now I'm just going to make it as, you know, as, as, much bang for the buck as possible. And if you watch that movie, it's really sending up a lot of things about Hollywood sensibility and corporate yes. sensibility yes. too, which I think is another kind of fun fight clubbish angle with that film kind of, because it's like, Oh, fight club costs 60 million to make, but it's all about anti-consumerism. I, I think that's, I, I, I like, <laughs> I, I like that bit of impish cleverness uh, at work in there with yeah, both yeah. those movies. So, so yeah, I mean, that one really stuck out cause I was surprised it to, uh, it uh, was was on that list. Honestly, I wasn't thinking it was. Maybe I was thinking of Joe Dante being kind of a more of a low budget director, and like, holy shit, I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. You know, no, whatever. I he, hear you. He, he got fifty million to make that movie in nineteen ninety dollars. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... <laughs> yeah, what 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 about you, Bill? Is there anything on that list where you're like, oh yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a good blockbuster movie well it was funny because i didn't think i really liked i had issues with this movie and i don't necessarily consider it a horror movie but i i gave it three and a half stars um and that so i have to like go back and check why but um by watching it again but (laughs) sleepy hollow from 1999 which at the time was um was 80 million dollar budget now you know 136 million it would cost to make and it made um, $206 million box office sales. And it won the Academy Award for Best Art Direction, which I thought was amazing. I, I love this set. I mean, Tim Burton, it's like, he even, he even said, I wouldn't know a good script if it slapped me in the face. <laughs> and yes, Tim, you're right. But visually compelling. I mean, he always brings that, uh, even in his most ill-fated ventures like Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Um and this one, I really, you know, it had the fantastic look and all. It's just something something was missing from it. I can't even recall at the time. But I was surprised that this was my best ranked of these 20 films on here. This is my best ranked film. Yeah, you know, Bill, uh, I haven't seen that one since the theater. It's been a long it's time. It's been a long time. Yeah, freaking 20 years almost. Yeah, I mean the the thing I do remember is the is the the visuals and how people were comparing it to like a Hammer horror film, which I totally get that vibe, and I think that's yeah, yeah. what he was what he was going for. Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise not so much. But uh, 
Yeah, I I think it's interesting, Bill, that the list had a couple of uh, repeat offenders, if you will, um, within uh, the same franchise. Uh, there <laughs> were, you, you know, we have Prometheus. There's an Alien <laughs> Resurrection. Both of them were bad. Yeah, yeah. Alien Resurrection was the lowest grossing in the series. It was the biggest flop. Was was that even compared to Covenant? Because I I think Covenant underperformed a couple of years ago. Um, that didn't make this list. I'm not sure when this actually came out. This list. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, well, I mean, well, the article. I don't know when it came out, but the uh, you know the site's been updated. But um. Eh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, Co- <laughs> Covenant was Covenant was shit. Um, because I because I know they uh that was a film uh. Apparently they were supposed they were going to do an IMAX release, but I, I don't know if it was just the IMAX theater near me or if it was just in general that they pulled it from IMAX because there was a bad feeling about <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, about the movie. Um, but I know it, it it made like twenty eight million its first week, which was like really that's for for a film in the Alien franchise directed by Ridley Scott. That's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, but, 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 you know, what is that bill? Do you think that's the fact that you have, uh, these franchises get established or these, the, the first films are made on smaller budgets and then increasingly it creeps up and up the more popularity these films maintain? Uh, maybe, um, I, or is it just plain old excess? <laughs> it could be that. I mean, when you look at alien, the original 79, which was it, it should have been a B movie. Somehow it became an A movie, and it had one, one a phenomenal cast. Um, uh, and then in '86 they came out with Aliens, which like just d- destroyed the world. I mean, everybody was like, "Oh my god!" And which gave total. <laughs> which and I was so disappointed in that movie for many many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and that just launched this entire franchise. And once you have a franchise going. When it's big like this, when it's like when we're talking like Ridley Scott, you know, like, you know, type of uh, realm, you know, yep. it's like they're going to throw money at it. It's not like, hey, this franchise is taken off, but we're going to shave off like 50 million and we're going to let, you know, we're going to let that Billy Crash guy direct it. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, and if it you goes. You would have done a better job. Oh, thank you. And if it goes in the toilet, it's his fault. Always blame the bald guy. And yeah. it's like, you know, so I think it depends because like. Just usually with franchises, there's just diminishing returns. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it. I did that one article once on like the the best sequels, but you know, according to me, obviously, but um, yeah. but like how many times it's like you know you hear like there's a sequel to the movie coming out, and it's like I love that movie, now they're gonna ruin it. You know, like you just go in with this massive amount of trepidation. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because again, it's that whole diminishing returns. It's like, let's keep flogging this thing. Let's keep milking this cow. You know, the milk, the milk's dry. It's not fucking keep going, you know, and it's, you know, it's like, <laughs> so. Well, I think this, this, this brings up an interesting, uh, an interesting point, Bill, that uh, you've, you've brought up before in, in terms of, <clears throat> Hollywood being a closed shop, they don't want yeah. original ideas. No. Um, so that's why we're, we're amazingly in second, third, fourth wave of remakes. We're in I don't know what phase of the Marvel universe right now. I can't keep track of that shit. <laughs> yeah, not the, I don't really care personally. Yeah. Um, 
but you know it's just like so so it's kind of like hollywood goes back to ridley scott and even if ridley scott has clunkers he's ridley scott whereas if someone someone who is a bit more green maybe they had a good indie film and got the keys to the kingdom and maybe crashed the boat like uh Richard Stanley did with the Island of Dr. Moreau, oh. you know, which is a great, uh, which is a great documentary about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that sort of situation where maybe the circumstances were wrong and then someone doesn't get a doesn't get another chance or they have to fight their way back into the back into that arena kind of where you have the potential to command something that you know, might be personal to you and have a budget behind it. So I, it, it, it ties into a whole lot of stuff of the, the sexism of Hollywood and things of that nature, which right. are really have bubbled to the forefront a lot in the past years, but have always been present. But uh, yeah, I don't know what kind of point I was trying to make. Just that Rid- <laughs> Rid- 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 Ridley, Scott, Ridley Scott can make a bomb of a movie. I, I'm trying to think of one of his that bombed. The Counselor, maybe, which I actually think is a good movie. Mm. Um, but that thing did so badly that it got yanked after two weeks. But still, yeah. Ridley Scott gets the keys to go back and do, you know, he, he gets the keys to go back and revisit the Alien franchise or do a biblical epic that was probably expensive too. So, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, I think that's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get how that has, how like someone can survive something like that. Like Ridley Scott, I guess, cause he had so much behind him from like, all right, you finally have a bad film man. like your other 15 were solid, you know, but, uh, and other people like Richard Stanley were pretty much derailed for like years. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, he did, uh, Dust hardware, double. hardware, dust double, yeah. and then the the color out of space recently, which was a, yeah. which was kind of his a feature return. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. but anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go go on, Bill. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. No, but one of the things that I hate is this, and this is where it's like, oh, Hollywood horror. Here we go. Um, and I love both these actors. I love them. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford in What Lies Beneath from two thousand. Hundred million dollar budget. You know, Bill, I have not seen this, and I was like, "You don't need to." I thought this was just like a small movie with two people in it. How does it cost that much money? And I'm going to tell you right now, Johnny, because that's a perfect question. Hundred million dollar budget at the time. The combined salaries between just Miss Pfeiffer and Mister Ford were thirty million dollars. Okay. So there it is. So that's where the money went. It earned $290 million, $291 million at the box office. But I remember seeing this in theaters, sitting there bored because <laughs> it's a Hollywood horror movie. And that means it's going to take a whole bunch of the, a, a lot of the edge off. It was so predictable. It was just like, oh, I know what's going to happen next. Oh, there it is. And it's like, I didn't feel like a genius because you didn't have to be. And I'm saying, oh, here's the next thing. And this is up there. She goes doing that up there. He goes doing it. You know, and it was just like, I just threw 20 bucks away. The popcorn was the best thing. And, um, but Hollywood doesn't care. It's like, you know, cause Harrison Ford could open a movie and at that at, at that time still. Yeah. Yeah. At that time still. And he's, he's doing the friggin' Indiana Jones goes to space or whatever the hell it's going to be. And people are like, oh, this is before he retires. We have to see this. There's going to be 8 billion people around the planet watching this movie. You know, it doesn't matter what, you know, what he's doing. He's got the hat on. He's got the hat on. Oh, okay, everybody swoon. 
You know, it's like, but what's the story going to be like, you know? Did everybody forget Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Oh, I can't forget that shit. Is everybody getting selective amnesia over that last movie is what I'm wondering. That was such an abomination, man. That was so awful. Yeah, you know, and I heard something that uh, Frank Darabont, uh, who did The Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption, uh, he had written a script for that, and uh, there was some... uh, there was some rhubarb after the film came out of, of him, I think, saying, yeah, my script was better than the one they went with. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been hard to go with a script uh, better than the one they went with. So, oh, um, man. Yeah. I, but, uh, but, you know, that 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 brings up something, Bill, because it's like the nostalgia over Indiana Jones, like the nostalgia for Star Wars. I mean, Star oh, yeah. Wars is like an impenetrable vessel. Basically, you can't. You know, bad reviews can't, couldn't keep, you know, The Last Skywalker down, um, you yeah, know. It's more like an impenetrable starship, Johnny. Or a Dust Star or some shit. I don't know. I don't watch those movies. <laughs> uh, I love the first two. I love the, those the first original two are my favorite, but... Um... I haven't seen them since I was little, so I don't. I don't know. Maybe I should go back and uh, rewatch at least the, the uh, originals, but... Gotcha. But... but Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go. You're on a roll, man. Well, no, nah, I forgot my point. You go ahead. Good, because you were talking about space. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and this is a favorite, favorite among fans, as you know, Event Horizon. Uh, it had a $60 million budget at the time, adjustment, $113 million. That was done in 97. Mm-hmm. Um, critics ripped it to shreds. It actually bombed at the at the box office only earned back 47 million so it's total loss but what a cult following this film has it grows every year among horror fans i don't like it i've tried watching it three times and after the first act it's like i can't do it i just can't it just it just doesn't work for me in any way shape or form and i want it to every time i'm watching it's like maybe it'll be different you know but it isn't um and i'm you know i'm glad people love it but you know just like you know um uh, Gremlins too, like that's got a big fa- following as well. Yeah, and you I know? think that's a that, yeah, that's again like Event Horizon. That's a film that gained its following on video and and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny, Bill. Uh, I, I'd forgotten what a big deal Event Horizon was, at least in terms of the budget for the time. Uh, I, I watched that one earlier this year, and I was surprised at how much I liked it. So um, I'm glad you did. I. Uh... I, you know, I, it, there are certain things I have to put aside to enjoy it, but I have no right. problem putting those things aside. And I've really grown to appreciate Paul W.S. Anderson's work. Uh, don't laugh, you know, over no, the no. past, you know, it's, it's, well, I'm just, at first I was like, these Resident Evil movies are stupid. And then me and my friend watched them in a marathon, uh, like two years ago. And I was like, these are actually, most of these are actually pretty good <laughs> for, for, for what they are. They're good. They're like. Mila Jovovich kicking ass. They've got some innovative wrinkles each each movie, and right, right. he's good at keeping the pace and uh, giving us the gore we want to see. And so I was like, I, I can kind of respect where he's coming from with that. Um, but yeah, you know, I I, I was like, oh, I, I kind of dig this great cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, granted, it has it, it, its DNA comes from the haunting and uh, yeah. And also Alien. But yes. At the same at the same time, I think it, it uh, married those two seemingly disparate uh, 
films pr- pretty well. Um, and I'm talking, I'm talking about the 1963 haunting, not uh, yes. the other one that's actually on this list. Yeah, yeah, that 1999 piece of crap. Um, yeah, what the hell was that budget for that one? I'm probably it was it, it was a eighty million yeah. at the time, hundred thirty six million adjusted. Yeah, but it did make one hundred seventy million. You know? Bill, I watched that recently, thinking, "Hey, sometimes I like movies. Sometimes I like movies that don't everybody else doesn't like." Because I'm weird like that sometimes. But that movie was so fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah, it really I, is. I would have to say, if I have to underline the problem with Hollywood when they try to go big with a horror movie, that's the movie I would probably, you know, trot out to to mm-hmm. skewer and dismember, you know, in front of <laughs> in front of an audience because it, it, it is so. Okay, you have the great Robert Wise 1963 film, pretty faithful to the Shirley Jackson novel. You they complement each other beautifully. They're both ex- ex- excellent works. Yeah, that's you know the, that's perfect, Bill. Uh, complimentary, and, and that's how I felt while I was reading it. And mm-hmm. uh, and this film is just, it's like okay, well, who 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 cares about? Uh, creaking doors or cold spots that's not interesting let's let's throw a bunch of fucking early cg effects at the screen because that's what people really want to see yeah really bad effects no less. And, uh, they look even worse now mm-hmm. you know since it's like been 20 years but yeah you know you have a you actually have a good cast you know mm-hmm. L- lily taylor who can be great in in mm-hmm. movies she is terrible in the haunting um, a fiend on films, Dave Cave's going to murder you, man, <laughs> just for saying that. Uh, he, he's going to murder us because we're talking about hashtag LCD movies. Why don't you boost the indies? <laughs> well, that's why we have to do this, man. That's why we have to do this. But, you know, it's it's not her fault. It's it's Jan no. Bond's fault because why do you get the fucking guy from Speed to direct a movie and an adaptation ostensibly of a Shirley Jackson book. I have no idea that's Hollywood right there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But the script was so terrible. They fabricated all this stuff that they didn't have to. And mm-hmm. poor Lily Taylor was left with the brunt of this awful, awful dialogue. It was, Oh yeah. man. She might've just checked out. She's like, fuck it. I'll take my money and go and do something else, which she did. She does other, you know, she's fantastic, you know? She 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 was like she was probably thinking to herself the whole time. I I worked with Abel Ferrera four years ago, and now I'm working on this <laughs> yeah. budget piece of shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Abel Ferrera was appreciated me. That's for sure. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But that's why. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's when I look like uh, at movies like Signs. Um, you know, 2002. It had a budget of you know 72 million. 25 million went to Mel Gibson. Mm, and yeah. I and I, I must say this because I've heard nothing but amazing things. When he was on set, you know, and they were filming, it was when uh, uh, it was when nine eleven occurred in two thousand one. Cherry Jones was freaking out. The whole cast, you know, crew, everybody was like devastated. He brought in pool tables. He brought in every things to like you know help you know create a warm atmosphere for everybody. And um, um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, he really did a lot, um, which was wonderful. But 
I think anybody in Pennsylvania and probably Brazil were laughing their asses off watching this movie because it's like these aliens who can't go near water land in the most humid places on the fucking planet in Brazil, fucking Brazil, and in Pennsylvania where the humidity is daily 90%. It's like they, they would have been dying walking around. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? And, and I love how one sign leads to another, and that's great. But, like, it began with, like, something so stupid out of nowhere that everything trickled down from. I'm like, this is – I just pissed me off. And it had a real creepy part in it. But, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, what a piece of trash. <laughs> well, I was – yeah, I was 21 when that came out. And I did see that in the theater. That's the last time I saw it. I remember liking that movie, but granted – I didn't have that brain that I do now, thanks to you, Bill, where I'm like, why the hell would they aliens land in Pennsylvania? Why would they land in those humid, you know, regions? <laughs> because because I tell you what. Granted, and can't get out of a closet. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Exactly. You know, the last couple of days have been in this, the 70s with like no humidity here, which has been really nice. Mm -hmm. um, but typically like. Last week, we had a couple 90 plus degrees days where I walk outside and you know how the human body is 70% water. Mine becomes like 95% water once I step outside um, <laughs> with the humidity. So, 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 so I'm like, yeah, and again, it's like you go back to what you were saying about what lies beneath Bill with the uh, – you bring in the big stars, you have those big ticket prices that go along with the, uh, you know, paying your actors, uh, mm -hmm. paying for paying, paying for a name as it were. And then it begs the question, you know, would what lies beneath have been better if they tweaked the script and just done it on a small, like a 24 budget or something like that? I don't, I don't know. Oh man. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I have I, I have no idea. I <laughs> it just okay. it just bog, it just really boggles my mind sometimes. It's like someone has an idea, yeah, let's go to it and yeah, we'll get this person, it'll be great, yeah. But then you see other movies where like, you know, I I know horror fans, most of them wanna own this film and that means having the genre own it. Oh man, um, friggin' Silence of the Lambs. It's like one of the best horror films ever made. <laughs> it's not a horror movie. It's not a horror movie. And and part of the reason it says you, Bill. Yeah, says me and says IMDb and a whole bunch of other places. But um, critics and whatnot. Um, oh, it's a criminal procedural. It's a you know blah blah blah. You know, and I, I and I get it. You know, falls into that weird area of like, well, it's like a slasher film. So why isn't? It? But. Um, you know, Hollywood doesn't want to, like, you know, put a label on, like, oh, yeah, it's a horror movie. Because, you know, we the genre we love has, you know, it's considered disposable. It's considered trash, garbage. It's like, you know, it's a genre piece. It's garbage. Yeah. You know, yeah. all of that crap. And, you know, people don't want to give it merit. And that's why it's like, oh, when I saw Black Swan, I remember screaming at the screen, it's a horror movie. And, oh, it, yeah. and it was on the cover of Fangoria, which is great, but no one on the planet, no one else thought it was a horror movie. And I'm like, it's a horror movie. How come this isn't labeled as a horror movie? And <laughs> I think it's because of the whole connotation. You know, it's like, dip, dip, we're not calling it a horror movie. It's a thriller. It's suspense. It's a mystery. It's a fantasy. It's this, that, and the other thing, but it's not a horror. Well, you know what's, you know what was interesting, Bill? Uh, back, at, uh, back in the 90s, the mid-90s, like... Uh, 
I don't know where I read this. It might have been an Entertainment Weekly or something, but I think they were, or it might have been after this period. But I remember distinctly like films that came out from like Dimension or whatever. They <laughs> always, they, you know, on video, they always had the big blurbs on it from dubious sources. But, <laughs> but they would seldom, they would seldom like mention that, you know, because Dimension was mostly putting out horror stuff. Um, but the blurbs would seldom mention that it was that it was a horror film, and people made it sound like it was it was less marketable to come right out and say, "Hey, this is a horror film." Like, yeah, yeah. People were less likely to maybe take it off the shelf and rent it if it came right out and said that, as opposed to if you called it an, a thriller or something something else. It's very it was a very strange because I think now like horror goes through phases, but I think now it's kind of like not a golden age in terms of creativity, but you yeah. know, just in terms of sheer product, you know, there's, mm-hmm. you're, you're not lacking in terms of what you could go out and, you know, stream or get up, get up from Redbox or, you know, from your used, a uh, used store on DVD or Blu-ray. Right. You know, it's like, there's a lot of options, but there's, you know, you just got to be more uh, diligent and uh, picking out, good good very, stuff yeah very but, so yeah go ahead no but you brought up a good point um <laughs> and i think it you know um oh my god and i forget my segue keep going <laughs> Shit, i just lost the whole train it just crashed like like it went to busan and was attacked by zombies or something bill just get a book and stick it in the zombie's mouth <laughs> That'll yeah, book I don't him. like. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, uh, you know, well, you were talking about the Silence of the Lambs, and it's interesting because that's another crossover uh, uh, universe that pops up on this uh, list of movies. And I was right. genuinely surprised to see uh, Red Dragon yes. on, on there because I was like, really? That was that? that was that much and it was 78 million back in 2002 which that is a that is a lot and i'm like you know it was weird because i i watched hannibal the series recently which caused me to go back and revisit some of the movies right um and you know red dragon is like in some ways that movie underlines hollywood cynicism to me Mm. um because you know, there was already an adaptation of Red Dragon back yes. in 1986. It was called Manhunter, and it was done by Michael Mann, and it's actually a pretty great movie. Yes, it um, is, yeah. Spoiler alert, but the thing with that movie, as great as it is, it's not called Red Dragon, so I think... Right, Manhunter. You know, right? Yeah, it's called Manhunter, yeah. so fewer people are like, well, what's this Manhunter thing? Uh, exactly. Why is, why is Dr. Lecter in this Manhunter thing? And they don't think about, oh, well, it's just they changed the title for some reason. I don't know why. Um, maybe marketing purposes. At the time, um, because, yeah. Because because the movie's not about a red dragon, literally. So <laughs> People won't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, they'll confuse it with the last dragon. We can't have that, so call it Manhunter. Um, but, you know, that movie was good. You know, you had, a, you had Brian Cox you know, and oh, probably yeah. the most underrated Hannibal Lecter performance because, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, William Peterson. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a really good movie. I rewatched it a couple years ago and it was really, uh, I thought it was really strong. Um, and, 
you know, when I watched Red Dragon or I rewatched it a couple of years back too, I was like, man, this movie is so, it's so unnecessary. <laughs> really, you know, the only thing, the only thing Brett Ratner did, you know, was just jazz up the visuals a bit and bring in a bigger name cast. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing, the whole thing is like, we got to put Anthony Hopkins in there. He, you know, yeah. Hannibal, Hannibal had come out like two years before and made money. And let's, let's bring Anthony Hopkins back for one last turn at this character. <laughs> and by this point, not only did a, this is supposed to take place before the silence of the lambs. And he looks a hell of a lot older because it's been 20, <laughs> 21 years since silence of the lambs. And, he is camping it up and hamming it up. I know. In in such a, in such a way that I'm just like, dude, just oh, I'm. I like Anthony Hopkins as an actor, but some of his, some of the stuff he's been in, including The Wolfman, that Hitchcock movie that was bad, <laughs> um, you know, that just like, dude, it's like I, I want to go back to that time when he was in The Elephant Man and Magic. Oh and yeah. Those movies, oh know, yeah, those yeah. Movies those were fantastic movies and it was just kind of sad because I'm like having a little, being a little older and a little wiser and looking at that film through a fresher perspective. I was like, that is really the only reason they greenlit this thing, you know, was because Anthony Hopkins, you know, it was cause let's bring Anthony Hopkins back and we'll make money based off of Hannibal. Lecter. Of course, of course. You know? And he's, and he's and he's probably only in the movie for about ten minutes total. So yeah, exactly. And who knows how much he got for that? True. But uh, it's like okay, great. I don't have to worry about working for five years. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, we didn't. Uh, I don't know. You want to keep talking about this thing, or <laughs> it's like? <laughs> well, you know, you know, Bill. I, I did want to. It's 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 interesting because I did want to talk about how. I, I don't know. Say it. I feel like, I I feel like there's, I feel like Hollywood is shifting away from kind of the blockbuster mentality, except in the cases of your world war Z's or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of sad that David Fincher was going to direct the sequel. And I was like, I would see a David Fincher directed sequel to world war Z. It would probably be better than the first one. Of course. Um, I want to see the Neil Blomkamp, uh, alien. Yeah, me too. Give him um, the fucking money, man. Let him do it. Give him a, give him two hundred million. Yeah, I mean, let Ridley Scott enjoy his scotch or whatever. You know, just yeah. give 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 someone new a crack at it. Um, yeah, like when I saw Covenant, someone said, "What did you think of it?" I said, "I think Ridley Scott should never direct another movie again." <laughs> that was my answer. Well, and something you said about that film bill was that it had a story credit to two people and the screenplay pr- credit was to two different people. And you were like, that's bad news. Yeah, yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. It's a uh, man. Yeah, I don't I don't I can't really like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't foresee any grand, grandiose, you know, uh, horror films. I mean, if they're going to do like a, a Walking Dead movie, I could, you know, I could see them spending money on that, and you know, the fans oh, would just yeah, come, yeah. you know, come in the droves. I mean, you have that built-in fan base, that's fine. But otherwise, it's like, I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't know. Well, I think I think something that's interesting, Bill, is even from the time that the movies on this list were coming from, the technology has changed so much. Yeah. Um, and consumer grade uh, 
film equipment. I mean, you can Sean Baker, Steven Soderbergh, you can shoot a movie on your iPhone. Um, yep. And, you know, so it's kind of like that, what people say, I see indie filmmakers say it a lot. There's no excuse to not go out and make your movie. Um, Just make a good one, man. Exactly. And I think that's, what's interesting is now you have sort of, and this is probably a whole other show, but it's interesting to think about movies that I, horror movies that I feel like have big budgets, but really probably have really low budgets. Uh, in the that's a good, yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Cause you're able to do more stuff with effects, um, you know, and creating, creating a world, you know, you don't even need to have the characters on a stage really, yeah. or, you know, it's, it's, it's like you can really make something out of, nothing which i think is why blumhouse does the thing of like oh okay you have this script we like here's five here's five million dollars go make it i'm like that's not that, i mean i mean for what that is that's that's kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of the roger corman school but yeah, I, yeah. Don't want, I, I don't want to equate jason blum with roger corman no. because yeah no. because jason blum the stuff coming out of blumhouse is on the general lessons a lot less inspired and fun than the stuff that was coming out of like new world absolutely um, pictures back in the 70s and 80s agreed so i think it's kind of interesting is now that horror has kind of been commodified but mm-hmm. you can do more with it with less fewer means and i mean we can even talk about the stuff coming out of a24 which mm-hmm. um is probably like high budget you know higher budget for an indie quote-unquote studio oh yeah but at the same time you're getting a lot more creativity like from, yes like just thinking about the lighthouse or whatever just as an example um something something like that which is yeah simple premise but it does all these really interesting things visually and the it's aesthetic. lovecraftian johnny isn't it no <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking dude don't you and palco come down on me i know i know well, no, I, I, I actually Palco knows this. I'm not a fan of Lovecraft, but you know. No, he knows um, too. I'm not a I'm not a fan of the man's writing at all. I I tried. That's no, I did, I, I did I did too. But I just think it's interesting how you know you don't need all that money to make a, a a horror film. You can make you can make something on a quote unquote lower budget. Um, it all depends. And, yeah, it all depends on what you're doing and how well you do it and how great that script is out of the gate. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of like the thing we circle around so many times. Bill is, uh, you know, is is the is the story good? You know, mm-hmm. is 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 it worth making? Is it another crappy remake, or are you actually bringing something new to an existing mythos, or what have you? And I think, you know, A twenty four is the one that pops into my head, but I know there are like so many other like smaller mm-hmm. small, smaller production companies out there who are doing great work. Um, and I think that's where the really interesting stuff is coming from. Um, I mean, I think a couple movies on that list, Bill, I could easily watch and just kind of sit back and relax. But with horror films, you're, I, th- I feel like it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for an intense experience, you'll watch, uh, the witch or the lighthouse or something like that. Right. Um, if you want to like sit back and relax and eat popcorn or whatever, you'd watch I am legend because that's just right. like a big Hollywood popcorn flick, you know, act by act that movie fell apart on me too, man. 
and you know to go back to the haunting it's like you oh, have this geez. great yeah. source novel and you threw most of it away so exactly they made a movie for will smith kind of like they made a movie for anthony hopkins with red dragon so mm-hmm. uh, agreed and uh everyone again that's where's the jump.com the article is the 20 most expensive horror movies ever made interesting note from the editors we have not included the movies from the Mummy franchise, as although they have horror elements, we believe they fall more into the action adventure uh, genre. And it's like, so Johnny and I, for now, we're going to start labeling movies, whatever we think they are. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm not making fun of the editors. It's like, you know, you can make that argument for just about any movie if you want, I guess. Um, but uh, on that note, as they say, Bill, we're not a horror podcast. We're a heightened drama podcast from this point forward. Heightened drama with <laughs> Johnny Nolan and Billy Crash. It's dramatic. <laughs> it's it's traumatic. That's what it is. Acting. Uh, acting. All right. We're going to do something we haven't done in a while um, because of uh, interviews and such uh, and Johnny's solo shows and um, due to work and such, we will be doing that from time to time. Um, but yeah. yeah whatever 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 happens um but we're gonna give you a show people we're gonna give you a show uh these are scream outs to wonderful people that you could follow on twitter i'll give you their twitter handle i gotta take a drink already yeah <laughs> all right here i go screwing up 10 people um who uh we love and uh hopefully they love us hopefully they remember us um <laughs> The first is, uh, and follow them on Twitter, Flixology101. Who is that? They watch. Yeah, exactly. Watch, drink, enjoy. Doing my best to save the world. One clip, one sip at a time. Underappreciated, lousy screenwriter <laughs> and founder of Flixology101.com out of Frederick, Maryland. Check them out. Fan, friggin' tastic all the time. This is truly one of my favorite podcasts. Johnny would probably never watch it. But that's okay. It's Around the Galaxy. It's the Star Wars fan talk show. Yeah. Just fantastic. And then go to ATGCast on Twitter. Around the Galaxy is the Star Wars podcast talk show featuring the people behind fandom and more. And you can check them out at ATGCast. Damn it! And I just drank.com. <laughs> ATGCast.com. Oh, my God. 300 Mushrooms. Mm. Precision Driver from Marvel, Universal, Sony, Warner Brothers, and Netflix. I dig the supernatural, strange, creepy, and weird. And go to 300mushrooms.wordpress.com for more. And this isn't just a horror queen, Johnny. It's the hot horror queen. Ooh. Yeah. So go and no lie. Hot horror queen on Twitter. Lifelong horror consumer. Often surly. Reviews, critiques, horror news. <laughs> Horror, sci-fi, film lover, and general ramblings. Uh, definitely go check out the hot horror queen. Al, the colors of the dark. Who's that? That's A Fizz Gig. F-I-Z-G-I-G. Fantastic human being. Horror nerd. Huge Giallo fan. Uh, Giallo fan. Did I say? I want. <laughs> I know what I want. <laughs> there's, there's, there's always room for Giallo, Bill. <laughs> oh my God. Italian genre cinema, classic horror photography, and scamp. <laughs> Love it. Al's awesome as hell. 
Uh, one of my favorite people on Twitter for a very long time. I don't think I've ever given her a scream out. Love this woman. She's fantastic. Great soul. Goddess Maureen. Goddess Maureen, I am the love goddess. Follow moi to paradise. I write and act, and I'm currently known for my erotica. And that's Maureen Finnerty. Uh, check her out. She's fantastic. Um, I don't know if you heard of these people before, but, you know, they're super ultra cool. Screening underscore space. <laughs> and that's, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. I've heard it. Okay, good. The screening space is a place to chat about all forms of entertainment featuring celebrity interviews, movie and TV series, news and reviews. Go to the-screening-space.com. A great writer and a funny, funny human being who keeps the banter light every day, the great Dale Elster, E-L-S-T-E-R, <laughs> horror and dark fiction author, Deadsville. That's where he lives. My first ever collection of short stories is now available. And you can even check out more at deadsvilleblog.com. Jenny from the Block. Who is that? That's Gianna with two N's, three, five, zero. She's in the horror movies, all movies, metal, alcohol, snacks, and fun. <laughs> the perfect woman right there. Sure, call me, she says, at 867-5309. And where does she live? Your mom's house. I love it. Jenny's fantastic. Always a ton of fun. Great horror aficionado. And last but not least is Dottie Dairy Milk. Cow of Mystery. Who is that, you ask? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is Virago Ergo Sum. And that is the wonderful D. 18 plus account, a Care Bear trying to do good. She, her, super queer. Black Lives Matter. And uh, D is great. D, her brain is just it's, it's phenomenal. It's like bigger than my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She's just cool as hell. We love her. We love all those wonderful souls. Follow them on Twitter, please. And um, Johnny, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Johnny Num. There are no H's in those Johnnies, but there are B's in the Nums. And as Billy mentioned before, you can also find my writing at thescreeningspace.com, run by the wonderful Susan Layton, at Suze Layton on Twitter. She's a great, great person, great cheerleader for the two of us for many years now. And Indeed. I'm, I'm happy to be writing for her and Billy because they're the two people I respect most oh. when, it, when it comes to writing stuff um, for people. So, Oh, man, that's awesome. And her dog, Mags, is just so adorable oh yeah yeah squishable uh man i wish you didn't went, uh, live a million miles away but uh one day one day we'll get together for hard cider or something absolutely but uh i'm billy crash you can find me at crash palace on twitter also at crashpalaceproductions.com for links to this show and more including articles from Suze layton um because uh, she's fantastic and if you're into uh crime thrillers with an alternative twist um, you could visit my page at, uh, no, my Twitter site, at my Twitter <laughs> page, whatever, I need a break, at uh, Noir Kink. And uh, you could find out about the Kink Noir series. So that's it, Johnny. Blockbuster. And uh, we didn't get a dime for it. So there we go. That's a wrap, Phil. I'm going to craft <laughs> services because I'm exhausted. <laughs> Have a latte on me, Johnny. I think I'm going to go to Taco Bell, actually. You want anything? <laughs> I want that chihuahua, man. Bring him back! <laughs> Yokiero, blockbuster horror movies. No bueno. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
And that was such a perfect Spanish accent, Johnny. <laughs> Holy shit. I, hey, I've been known for my acting in heightened drama, Billy. Oh my gosh, we gotta go. Have a good one, Let's bud. See you, man. Bye. Bye.